Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, everybody. It is Trags back with another episode of the Red Sox Beat podcast powered by the CLNS Media Network and our exclusive online gaming partner, betonline.ag. Back with me, old friend, old nasty boy, the one and only Rob Dibble. How you doing, Dibs? Great, Trags. How are you? I'm doing better than Heim Bloom, Sam Kennedy, Alex Cora, and your 2022 Boston Red Sox. I would say that much uh, with uh, great assurance. Uh, I'm just going to get right into it. I thought Ken Rosenthal had a terrific piece on The Athletic uh, on Monday where he interviewed Sam Kennedy. And for all the world dibs, you know how I read that story? I don't know if you saw it, but you know how I read it? I did. I I read the whole thing. You know how I read that? As a concession speech to the 2022 Red Sox. Sam Kennedy essentially acknowledging we're not going to make the playoffs. They lost again on Tuesday night uh, in Minnesota. Um, Horrible play by um, Alex Verdugo. I mean, that to me was symbolic, the the drop ball in right center field of how this team has played. They're nine games out of the wild card. They're not going anywhere. They're 62 and 68. Um, But when you read the comments from Sam Kennedy about how disappointed this team is, uh, and he gave a vote of confidence uh, to both uh, Heim Bloom, the GM, Director of Baseball Operations, and Alex Cora, how did you read that? Well, I, I mean, I watched pretty much every game, and I watched last night's game too. And, uh, you know, as I followed the whole season along, even on my radio show, um, you know, and, and even the Yankees have bullpen issues. So do the Mets, everybody, everybody's got injuries and it happens, but you never defined roles in your bullpen. Uh, when the season started, you didn't know who the closer was, who the setup guy was. Um, recently they just, uh, DFA'd Salamura, who I thought was one of their best relievers had a, a below four ERA. Uh, and I'm not getting on Ryan Brazier, but the guy's got almost a 70 RA and, you know, 13 of his 20 inherited runners have scored. That's huge stuff. And I know they know the analytics. They don't need me to, to spew it back to them. Um, but you didn't build this team not only to compete in the American League East, but to go past the regular season and go into the playoffs. I always define it. If you're are you beat, built for the regular season or are you built to go past that, go into the playoffs and go deep in the playoffs? And then at the and then at the trade deadline, if you have holes you try to fill those holes so i know in in the piece uh ken rosenthal refers to hunter renfro no reason to trade hunter renfro correct the guy you know he and and with milwaukee 25 home runs 60 rbi uh you know is going to get you a lot of assists from the outfield he's better than jackie bradley jr in the outfield at this point in their careers 
Um, you know, and you stuck Jackie Bradley Jr. right field most of the season before you DFA'd him anyway. He wasn't your your full time center fielder. Right. So all of these different moves, and I don't blame Heim Bloom for this because a lot of these moves were made before him. But that trade with Hunter Renfro, you traded prospects as well uh, for a guy that hit a 170 last year, no, no, and with no power. Um, that 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 irked me from April on. So now. Kiki Hernandez, uh, Kike goes down with an injury. Uh, Trevor Story goes down with an injury. You never really had uh, Chris Sale. Ivaldi is not an ace. I mean, you, you, your number two should be like your ace 1A. So if you look at the Yankees, and Nestor Cortez stops, uh, stepped up, but Tyon is, is a hell of a pitcher. Uh, it, you know, if, if Severino had ever panned out with his stuff, he should have been almost an ace of the step. So the the Yankees, if you're just looking a couple hours down the road, they try to build their team for the postseason because you're going to have to compete with the Astros. You're going to have to compete with either the Guardians or the Twins in the postseason. But ultimately, the World Series is probably going to go through the Dodgers or go through the Braves. And so I look at how those teams are built. And the Braves right now, most of their best players are locked up until 2027 to 2029. Right. And they even, uh, you know, their their latest, uh, you know, outfielder, they just locked him up for seven years. So it, it's not just about, you know, cutting costs or, you know, developing the minor league system. You still have to build teams according to what you're looking at um, and how other teams are built. And and if you're going to build with analytics, and I, I don't mind analytics, but you have to have a certain amount of pitching in the postseason uh, define roles in your bullpen, and then your defense, catcher, uh, second base, shortstop, center field, have to be solid. Those are your premier positions on a baseball diamond. So when when you didn't build your team according to that rule, you're not going to win. So I don't care what your injuries are. Kike Hernandez is not a center fielder. You know, uh, Arroyo is not a right fielder. So when you're trying to put infielders in your outfield, that's not going to work. So how, how you tried to build your team, even the, even Tampa Bay Rays are built differently than the Red Sox. And That's they have- ironic. Let, me, let, let me jump in here, Dibs. That's ironic because where did this uh, GM come from? He came from Tampa. Came from the Rays, right. And, and one of the biggest criticisms in, in talking to people around the Red Sox this year with Heimblum is his inability to project and evaluate talent and obviously there's an art to doing that there's a lot of luck involved in doing that and projecting players and how good they're going to be but the biggest criticism i hear about heim bloom is he doesn't he simply can't evaluate or his staff his uh, personnel around him executives around him don't do a good job evaluating talent and it's killed the red sox especially in the bullpen absolutely absolutely and that and and we'll get to that. But going back to Hunter Renfro, if you look at the way the Rays have always dealt their, their players as they're going to come into money, they always get kicked back prospects. So for him to deal prospects to get an inferior Jackie Bradley Jr. makes no sense at all to me. You know, something that you've been doing and, and you were doing with Andrew Friedman, who's now at the Dodgers, and doing an amazing job. Andrew Friedman now, he can trade for Mookie Betts, and he can trade for guys that have – uh, heavy contracts. I mean, he's on the other side of it now. When he was on the other side, and, and I could go back 10, 15 years, uh, you know, talking to all my friends that are general managers, 
the the best part about the Rays were they evaluated your best minor league talent. Yep. They would trade you a top-notch major leaguer, but get three or four guys in return. And that's something, okay, if you bought, brought Bloom to the Red Sox to do that, he has not done that. Correct. He, he has not rebuilt your minor league system. The guys that they've called up, including Dahlback, have not produced. And so even the Yankees eventually, I know they covet their prospects, they're, they're getting better at rating other people's minor league systems for uh, top major leaguers. So I, I think, you know, you're, you're always playing a, a chess game here with these other general managers, but most general managers that in, in the last 30 years that I've been around pro baseball, um, they don't want to lose in deals. They, they don't want to give you top prospects. They'll give you uh, uh, the, the 48 prospect best prospect. 37. That you have to develop. Right. That's exactly. the onus is on you. We're, we're not going to give you, uh, we don't want to, unless it's, um, uh, help me out. Juan Soto. Let's say Juan, Juan Soto. Soto. Juan Soto. We're, exactly. we're going to give you, you top my mind. 10 prospects for Juan Soto. Right. And exactly. But otherwise, you're going to have to do the work to develop the prospects on your own. We're not going to do the work for you. We're keeping those because we yes. we we've developed them. We're not giving those away. Correct. Um, two prospects that stick out to me that kind of are symbolic of how the bank, uh, how the uh, Red Sox have struggled: Jeter Downs and Jaron Duran. They yep. it just looked like they haven't, and to a lesser degree, Brian Bayo, um, the pitcher who's zero and four and has had his moments, but mostly you know the numbers are not there. He struggled, as you would expect a rookie to do that. But with Jeter Downs and Jaron Duran, they didn't look comfortable to me. Uh, when they made their major league debuts and were given an opportunity. Do you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. And there's another point I wanted to bring up too, because you know, Joe Oliver, I do. Uh, when Heim Bloom came in, he whacked almost all the minor league managers, pitching coaches, hitting coaches, and brought in his own people. Well, right. those people have not developed these guys quick enough to play in the major leagues. And so a lot of those guys that were developing a lot of these top prospects that are now uh, succeeding in the major leagues, you know, the Raphael Devers, Bogarts, uh, to an extent, even if you go back to like Jackie Bradley Jr., Mookie Betts, guys like that, um, all of those guys are gone from the organization. So when Heim Bloom came in, and general managers normally do this, they there's this trust factor, loyalty thing, they bring in their own guys. You know, those guys have not developed them, but that, that was not a trademark of the Rays either. The Rays didn't develop most of these guys other organizations have developed a lot of these players. So, you know, it, it's to me, you, you look great and look smart when you have good players. And, you know, if you but if you look like a Buck Showalter, Buck Showalter has has taken almost the same roster that the last two managers took in, in New York and has turned them into winners. And a lot of it is mentality. And, and I truly believe and listen, I'll tell you straight up, I'm not a fan of Alex Cora. The way he goes about his business, you could go back to um, when when he was in Europe, and and there was that series between the Yankees and the Red Sox. Yes, in and London. Interviewed. Yes. You, you go back and listen to that interview. He was taking a shot uh, at Carlos Beltran, and they were they were kind of kidding each other about cheating. And in his comments, he's like, "Listen, we know all the tricks that they do, and they know what we do, so we got to be better at what we're doing." I, I I think that stuff's shady. I really do, and so. Whether or not they're doing it now or not, that just shows me the character of your manager. So if he's not projecting uh, a confidence in his his players, they're not going to go out there and play with a confident ability. 
Buck Showalter does that. Dusty Baker does that. Yep. Dave Roberts does that. Why do you think those teams are so good? It's not just because they have great players. It's because they have they have good managers of people. And so everybody keeps saying, well, Alex Cora is this. Alex, I really, I haven't seen him other than cheat to win. I haven't seen that guy manage anything. So you, you have Hein Bloom that inherited Alex Cora, had to bring Alex Cora back. Um, listen, if, if I can't put the manager I want in a position to manage my players, I, that you you have to have that communication there. So I don't know what their analytics, Hein Bloom and Alex Cora are doing because I'm not on the inside of that, but I see the finished product. Sloppy defense. Nobody's got a defined role in the bullpen. Uh, you 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 don't have a good game plan at the plate. No. You know, so I mean, a lot of a lot of you know, if you keep watching, but you know, it's going through Major League Baseball. You have everybody's got the wrong mentality when it comes to playing the game at this point. So now you're finally seeing uh, people step up and say, "Hey, listen, we can't do that." So what what happened in uh, St. Louis? They fired the manager. We don't we don't want a guy that's going to put down our analytics department, you know. Well, they've got enough talent now that at least they're they're succeeding, you know, and they're they're making it seem like the manager doesn't matter. But if you look in some of the other organizations like Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, you take most of that talent away, it's 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 a it's a no-win situation. So I think Boston had the talent to win, but I think a lot of that was mismanaged be, between the analytics people, Heimbloom and Alex Cora. And then putting people in the wrong positions, can't play defense, can't get the final nine outs of a baseball game. You know, what are you going to do? You and, know what? And then everybody points to, well, you're injured, you're injured. Listen, a lot of these other teams are injured too, but at least they have those strong points that I talked to about earlier to where they could at least play enough defense, get the defined roles in the bullpen to finish out games. It's only going to get worse if you don't sign, re-sign Raphael Devers, and if and Xander Bogarts and Bogarts walks out the door and and, yep. and elects to become a free agent. Well, what let me stop you there. Happen? Let me stop you there. I like Trevor Story and Bogarts together up the middle, but you still need look at Vasquez, who was a who was great at handling the pitching staff. You yep. traded that guy. I, I, and you know, I like Kevin Ploiecki. But, you know, you replace Plowecki's job with McGuire. I mean, I don't even understand some of these moves. You know, why would you trade that guy? And to your competition, you traded that guy to the Astros, who you might have to face in the postseason. Now he knows everything about your entire pitching staff. What do you think he's going to do in those meetings with the Astros? He's going to give away everything that those guys have. The other thing that I never understood, and I, I've had Alex Barth of um, Sports Hub 98.5 in Boston on, and we've talked ad nauseum about this. The trade deadline, acquiring Tommy Pham, who's, who, who is beloved by guys in the clubhouse. Right. No question about that. You may hate um, fantasy football people who get in his way and all that <laughs> and start fights. Um, but Tommy Pham's a, a, a clubhouse guy. And Eric Hosmer, they acquired them. Right. They acquired them, Dibs, in case they made the playoffs, not right. to make a playoff push. That is bass backwards. It makes no sense. Yep. I agree. I agree. And Hosmer was a guy who didn't want to go to Washington, so he ended up going to the Red Sox. But, um, you know, both of the, especially Hosmer, I mean, he's past his prime. You know, you're, you're, you're thinking that you're going to get lightning in a bottle kind of stuff. You already had Hunter Renfro. You're trying to replace Hunter Renfro's numbers because you traded him. So a, a lot of that stuff to me is just uh, last minute. Hey, we're trying to do something. Um, you, you know, we're we're trying to compete with these guys. Listen, if you really wanted to compete, um, a couple of years ago, you could have traded for Barrios. 
uh, from the Twins. He goes to your competition with the Ray, uh, with the Blue Jays. Look at how good their pitching staff is now. Um, and just think if they have kept Robbie Ray. Now, the Red Sox could have signed Robbie Ray. The Yankees could have signed him. Could you imagine the Yankees pitching staff? They had Robbie Ray right now. So, you know, I, I think about this. You know, some of it's money, but some of it's like I want to, I wanna, you know, justify my job by showing you how smart I am. That's that's not how you get the job done. You try to get the best, best uh, pieces. Luis Castillo. If you really wanted to make a playoff uh, push, Luis Castillo. In his prime, a 29, 30-year-old Luis Castillo. And you would look, and you know where I'm coming from on this. Luis Castillo, to me, is Pedro 2.0. And his stuff is that good. And not as consistent. Uh, Pedro is probably a a more consistent version of that kind of picture but obviously Luis Castillo's Red Sox fans know back on May 31st they saw him up close and personal at Fenway and the Reds won that game 2-1 he has all the mannerisms of Pedro and he uh, worships Pedro and he was uh, giving tributes tipping his cap and pointing to the sky and pointing to the stands at Fenway that night in tribute to Pedro and I don't understand why you wouldn't go out and try to acquire, if you really want to compete and have a top-notch pitching staff on a staff that's desperate for a guy like that, why wouldn't you go out and try to acquire him? Now, the other thing to that is they probably didn't have the prospects uh, or nor did they want to give up the prospects to acquire somebody like Castillo. And I, I do understand that, but while we're on the subject of pitching, um, it's a it's a wreck right now. Chris Sale is out. Um, his start to 2023 is, I think, in question. Um, if he's fully healed from his uh, broken wrist, we'll see uh, how that goes. Michael Walker came back from his injury, but he's been he, great. He was. He's been yep. fantastic. He's nine and one. Let's get the stats here. He is uh, nine and one with a 2.53 ERA and a WHIP right around one point. Uh, because one. he knows how to pitch. Yep. I mean he. I watched Adam Wainwright the other night. If you watched Adam Wainwright, those guys know how to pitch, they, and they and they project that to the other guys on their on their staff. You need guys like that. So I, you know, I would bring Michael Walker back in a heartbeat. They, the the point I'm trying to make here in a very long winded way, they need to rebuild the pitching staff, and Absolutely. I have no confidence that um, this front office is going to be able to do that overnight. They just haven't exhibited that kind of. Uh, you know, belief in me that they know how to evaluate pitching to do that. This is, I, I, I agree with you, but I don't think there's a lot of organizations that do. Um, I, mm-hmm. I would not have given Garrett Cole the money that the Yankees did that, that was uh, a, a bandaid kind of deal. And they, they had some good pitchers right in their own organization, you know, and that guy, if you, if you look at mentality, who would you rather have Max Scherzer or would you rather have Garrett Cole? You know, I mean, you, you've got and there's so many guys that are like that out there. You, you have to. This is like football now, uh, Mike. You have to evaluate someone's mentality. You know, what what is their makeup? You know, what what kind of guy are we looking for uh, in our rotation, in our bullpen, things like that? Is, is he going to be like a player coach, especially if he's an older player? I mean, it, listen, look, there's there's a big reason that the Cardinals are winning. First of all, Yadier Molina is like a player manager. Yep. Um, you know, and again, older catcher handles the pitching staff, but he also, he's going to help everybody, uh, you know, and even when he's not playing, he's helping guys um, learn the game. Adam Wainwright, they bring back Adam, Albert Pujols. So even when Pujols, 
they're unselfish guys is what I'm getting at. Yep. They're, they're not, they're not going to sit there and pout uh, if, if it's a four minute rain delay. So what Adam Wainwright showed me the other night is that's the kind of guy I want a guy that'll wear a live mic when he's warming up. He's not afraid to try to teach little leaguers at the major league level. Uh, we need more guys like that. And, and if the Red Sox are smart, they'll go get some guys like that. If not, They'll continue. Here, here's another point I want to make about Alex Cora. Right. One another reason I can't stand this guy. Um, you know what you did to Dustin Pedroia a few years ago, who I respect as one of the best uh, players, pound for pound, that's ever played Major League Baseball. Always coming back, trying to be hurt. I remember watching him with a broken ankle take infield on his knees um, because he wasn't supposed to be out there, but he was. He wanted to keep his game right. sharp. You know, when Alex Cora wanted him out of the locker room a few years ago in spring training. That's all I needed to know. Your ego was so large that you couldn't allow Pedroia in there. You know, I, so, you know, that I, I, I see a lot of that now where all these guys are so protective of being managers, being coaches and stuff. And, and people do that all the time. So, you know, I, I think the game has changed. They don't want guys like me around. They don't want, they want, they don't want Hall of Fame guys telling these people, uh, you're not playing baseball. You're doing, and and you have a commissioner that that absolutely has no idea what baseball is all about. You know, I, I could spend hours talking about Rob Manfred and and the garbage that's going on. And I'll tell you what, the best thing that's happening right now yep. is the Players Association is trying to unionize the minor leagues. That that's twenty thirty years past due. They they should have done that when I was a player. You know, because these kids need benefits, they need pensions, they need insurance. They, they need someone to basically watch out for them because they're being abused. And I, and I think we have a system right now, Mike, where they contracted 42 teams last year in the minor leagues. Jobs are harder to come by, and they're even harder to get at the major league level by, by competent people. You know, and those the, the, the people like Tony La Russa has to come back, Dusty Baker, Buck Showalter, there's those few and far between. And we have more guys that are saying yes to – the people in the front office and the analytics people. And that's why you see the poor play on the major league level. He is Rob Dibble. He does a tremendous job daily on the Rob Dibble show. You can follow him at Rob Dibble show, all one word on Twitter. Also follow him uh, on 97.9 ESPN in Hartford. He is uh, one of the best baseball commentators you will ever hear because he speaks from the heart, as you can tell. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, and events with the first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news of every single league. That includes Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, Yes, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Back with Rob Dibble of 97.9 ESPN in Hartford. Um, so I want to get to the future of baseball and the new rules that are coming. Um, a pitch clock to me is disastrous. And there was a great point, and I think you will appreciate this. <laughs> and I forget the picture that made, the, made this observation. But when you are forcing pictures to pitch in time on a clock, it changes the dynamic 
of the position and changes the dynamic significantly of pitching. And it's bad for the sport. Your point, your, your feeling on that. Well, I mean, I, I coach kids. I have about 12 AAU travel teams right now. I have five that are slated for the fall. Um, and one of the things I try to dictate with them is you, you have a runner on first base and you're changing how, how you throw the ball, how many seconds in between holding right. a guy on, you know, you have to change things up. And that's the way I was taught, you know, 30, 35 years ago that you, you're always, you, you have to try to keep the, the hitter off balance. You have to try to uh, keep the runners off balance and you have to try to keep your, your team involved. So, you know, you almost have a pitch clock in your brain anyway. You're, you're taught to work at a, at a good pace and, and not put your defense to sleep. So, you know, a lot of the things that they're trying to incorporate, it's already been incorporated, you know, and you, you could change the, the verbiage of it and the language of it. But, you know, sticking a 20 second time clock up there. I watch a lot of minor league baseball, too. Yeah. And and it's it's different with people not on base. The, the clock changes with with uh, people that are um, basically on base. It's, it's a, a few less seconds, but it changes when guys are walking up to the plate. To me, it, that's more about the fans than the pitcher. You know, if I'm a pitcher, a lot of times you could come up, get set, and if you step off, the time resets. I mean, pit, here's the thing about pitchers. We're all nuts. We're flakes. <laughs> we and we love to play games. Nuts, but yeah, yeah, exactly. So we love to play games. So the major league players and the, the pitchers are going to manipulate the clock anyway. They're gonna they're gonna mess with that clock all the time because they're it, they just think it's it's trash. They you you can't tell grown men what to do and how to do it, and they're not gonna accept it. They're gonna be like, this is just a joke. It's the same thing with you know what you want to put eighteen inch bases out there. Go ahead, you know you you know the one thing that would be disastrous is moving the mound back a foot. There's so many arm injuries right now, Mike. You yes. imagine pushing it back, and and then you have to push it back at at the lower levels. Like I coach, like I said eight-year-olds to 17-year-olds. I have I have enough arm injuries as it is right now. So can you imagine, you know, putting more pressure on these kids um, that are specializing in baseball um, that play, and I try not to let these kids play year-round. I, I, I want them to play other sports, but their parents are, are thick. They just think, well, if my kid plays baseball all the time. He's going to make it. He's going to make it. It's not that easy. But you, you can't, everything trickles down. The replay, my God, I was watching the Little League World Series. We have replay in the Little League. That's now, ridiculous. It, it's ridiculous. So, you know, the pitch clock is just one thing of many things where it's very obvious to someone that doesn't know the sport that, hey, maybe we should have clocks. Baseball doesn't have clocks. There's a reason. You can't speed it up or even slow it down. When you're too slow, your defense plays poorly. When you're too fast, you make mistakes. You, you, you're not using your head. So... You know, to me, when I'm trying to teach young kids the game, not I don't just want them to learn the right way, but there's a strategy to all this stuff. You know, things that I was taught because I didn't have a quick delivery to home, but I still have to get the ball to, to the catcher in 1.2 seconds so he has a chance to throw runners out. That hasn't changed. It will never change. So pitch clocks, moving bases closer because you're making the bases bigger, some of this stuff to, to the layman that that might seem like it's fixing something, but it really isn't. It All it is is we're, we're trying to make Major League Baseball more like a video game, and it's not a video game. It's It's got heart. It's got soul. It's got umpires that make mistakes. Um, but now, hey, replays are, are keeping them in check. But I think they've gotten worse 
because they know, hey, I got someone that can look over my shoulder and check my work. I thought umpires in my day were great. They did, they made very few mistakes, very you few live mistakes. mistakes. Argue with the human element. Yeah. You don't want mistakes. But the human element of any sport to me is part of the deal. I understand replay to get an obvious mistake wrong. Right. But if you're examining a replay to look for details to see if you're looking for a reason to overrule the the call then you're looking for the wrong reason and that's not the spirit of the rule it's the same thing with holding the tag on the base uh, holding the tag on the runner when he's stealing second base and if he comes off for a millisecond that's not the the intent of the rule whatsoever right. oh yeah no and and you could go back and try to interpret these rules any way you want and change a few of them, but it's not going to change the beauty of baseball. The base, the beauty of baseball is still the, the way guys go after baseballs, the routes you take to catch a ball in the outfield, uh, you know, the beauty of watching. I, it's so many, so there's so many infielders right now that are so good that, that we miss it because we're worried about the bang, bang play at first. You know, if a guy makes an unbelievable play behind the third baseman and throws a guy out by, it's a bang, bang play like that, you know, I, he should be out. It's, it's the fact that that guy made a human play that is almost impossible 99% of the time. You, you know, you should reward that guy with that play of a bang-bang. Does Ty go to the runner? Does not go to the runner? Oh, my God, I, I, he, I think his spike was just on the base. I mean, that you're, you're breaking it down so scientifically that, that people don't want to watch it. Not as many people go to games anymore. I see empty stadiums almost every night watching all this baseball. That's not what baseball is supposed to do. Baseball should be giving out free tickets. We should be selling out these stadiums. Right. You know, we want to grow that. Yeah, you want to grow this the sport. The best thing they've been doing, Little League World Series, is playing games there. I I like it. Go play some more games in military bases. Go play some games uh, in the inner cities. You know, go go build some stadiums there so that you you get more of the African American kids playing. So you, you know, you 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 wonder why less than 7% of the major leaguers are African-American because you don't sell this sport properly. You don't, you don't expose the sport, sport to the right, to the right communities, to the right oh, yeah. groups. Absolutely. And so you think changing, putting a pitch clock, bigger, bigger bases, moving the mound back is going to bring more fans. That's, that's going to, you're going to get less fans. You're, you're going to slow down the game so much. There's going to be zero action in a baseball game. And so that, that's my problem. I want more action. Listen, when I'm coaching my 17U team, every guy, I don't care if you're the slowest guy on my team, we've, we've gone over how to steal, how to get good jumps, all of that stuff. I, I have most of my guys, Mike, steal second and third. I'm trying to create runs. I'm putting pressure on the defense. Yep. I'm playing the game to win every, every inning. I play every half inning with the intent to win that half inning. That's the way you should be playing at every level. So, you know, and I'm not try, trying to say that I'm the best coach in the world. I want my my guys to think they can do anything on a baseball field. I put left-handed players at shortstop. They're like freaked out. Really, coach? Yeah. Can you catch the ball? Can you throw it to first? I don't care what hand you catch it with. I put the best players where they should be uh, utilized on a baseball field. So I, I, I think, you know, I'm trying to get these guys to love the game the way I loved it. I think you've got a commissioner that is pushing people away from the game. That's not right. I, I just don't agree with that. So you can come up with any little changes you want, um, but baseball as a whole for 100 and almost 50 years has been pretty much the same. One more quick thought, uh, and I know you have really 
uh, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? You have very insightful thoughts on Albert Pujols and what he has done for the sport of baseball. I had a chance to see him and the Cardinals the other night, him hit uh, home run number 694. What makes him so special? Well, first of all, he's one of the smartest players that's ever played. Um, if, if you go back to even his younger years, he never really had a position. You know, they tried him at third, they tried him at first. Um, you know, and, and he banged around a little bit because he was always great at hitting, but he was, he's as one of the best base runners you'll ever see, um, going first to third. He always like just little things like checking where the outfielders are when he's on first, things like that. Um, and then, you know, studying the pitchers just like Tony Gwynn, you know, he, he had, he had numbers for about 10 years, as good as Ted Williams or better. He was, he was walking more than he was striking out. So people may have missed a lot of this stuff, but when I was covering the young Albert Pujols, he was as fascinating as anybody that's ever played this game. And I'm talking the last hundred years. Yep. You could go back to Babe Ruth and, and Lou Gehrig and guys like that, um, that, that like even uh, Joe DiMaggio. I think Joe DiMaggio, the most he ever struck out in the season was 39 times, and that was his rookie year. You know, So you know, Albert was a throwback that way because he was so cerebral. But I, I just think now you've got people taking shots at him because he's making a final push here, not just for 700 home runs, but and he's not even playing every day. He's pinch hitting here and there. You know, he's not even able that last that last home run in Cincinnati. If you watch it, I've watched it back a few times. Um, that's just him getting the bat through the hitting zone flat opposite field, opposite field. He's a little bit slower than he used to be. Um, but, man, he could barely run around the field. And, and, you know, run around the bases. So I, I, I think that people are taking cheap shots at Albert because now, oh, you've just woken up to Albert's greatness. Listen, Albert has been great for 20 years. And it, this is nothing new. It's not, hey, at his age, how is he putting up those kind of numbers? Um, they're, they're not, the numbers aren't that amazing for Albert Pujols. They're just amazing in terms of today's game and some of the, the awful statistics that you see batting average-wise, on-base percentage-wise. Um, but this is nothing new for me with Albert Pujols. He's still, to me, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, should be 100% of the vote to get in. And uh, but, but to me, also one of the most generous people I've ever been around off the field. You know, I'll give you a, a quick uh, story. I'm, so I'm in, I'm in Washington. We're about to do, um, and I'm working for the Nationals, and I'm like, Albert, can I, I need a bat for this charity dinner we're doing tonight, trying to raise some money for kids. Boom, gives it to me. Bat gets $4,000. You know, he doesn't even think twice about stuff like that. That's the kind of guy that he is and always has been. So uh, I, I, I shudder at the fact that there's people that have no idea what they're talking about taking cheap shots at Albert at this point. He is Rob Dibble. He does an amazing job every day, every weekday on the Rob Dibble Show at Rob Dibble Show on Twitter on 97.9 ESPN in Hartford. Also, Dibs, I want to mention uh, the Smash Factory, the rdsmashfactory.com. How can people follow that? Um, it's it's online. I mean, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're all over the place. That's your baseball uh, academy, but yeah, your it, it, baseball it's, and it's, softball. Yes, baseball and softball. It's in Connecticut, um, but we travel out of state. We'll go to like Ripken. We'll go up to Rhode Island. We take these kids. We're just trying to get as much exposure to for these kids as possible. Um, so we we you know have a really nice batting cage, but honestly, we're rarely there. We're usually out somewhere playing. And uh, but 
eight-year-olds to 17-year-olds, and we're trying to get these kids to, to love the game. want to thank uh, Rob Dibble for joining me. Also want to thank our great sponsor, betonline.ag. For the executive producer of our network, that would be the one and only Nick Gelso. I'm Mike Petralia. I also want to uh, thank, again, one more, one more time, Rob Dibble. For Rob Dibble, I'm Mike Petralia. Thanks for watching.